Time for Game Talk. It is time for Game Talk, and the man of tomorrow is on the case, and wow, has it been a hell of a month. Um, I actually wanted to record this episode earlier in March of 2019, but then I remembered, holy shit, GDC is coming. Of course, the Games Developer uh, Conference uh, held in San Francisco, um, and wow, uh, <laughs> Like, there hasn't been, you know, thinking of, like, E3, thinking of GDC, thinking of, uh, I, I don't know, take your pick of the gaming event uh, in the past, maybe even the past decade, certainly the past few years. And I don't think since, like, when the, I don't know if, if anyone else remembers this, when uh, the original, not the Xbox One, the original Xbox, not the 360, the original, original, original Xbox that everybody seems to forget about. When the original Xbox was announced way, way back, was that 2001, 2000, something like that? Remember the rock was there with Bill Gates and everything. It was crazy. Um, I don't think there's been as big an announcement in gaming since then, since that moment, because that was the moment. Of course, Sega had pretty much, you know, given up at that point. Um, and yeah, I mean, they were dropping out. And so everybody thought, well, shit, we're only left with as far as consoles go. We're really only left with two companies. We're left with Nintendo and we're left with uh, Sony, you know, with PlayStation. And then Microsoft comes in with their Xbox brand, you know, and, and that really, really shook things up. And in fact, they took complete advantage at the time of, uh, you know, a lot of like titles that were huge on the Dreamcast, Sega's last console. And then we're like, you know, bringing in the sequels onto the Xbox, right? Shenmue 2 and, you know, and so forth. But that, that was just, that was a huge event. It changed gaming. And obviously to this day, it has still affected gaming uh, dramatically. Of course, its sequel, the Xbox 360 would go on to be one of the most popular and to this day still played consoles. Um, I mean, it's really Microsoft's PlayStation 2 in a very real sense. Uh, I mean, but that it really changed everything. I think the same thing happened at GDC uh, this, this year in 2019 where and part of it comes from Microsoft's little Xbox brand. Um, but more importantly, it comes from Google. Now links are in the show notes to dive deeper in a lot of, uh, a lot of what I'm going to talk about here. Um, I'm not going to spend a whole ton of time talking about like the heavy duty technicals. You can read up on a lot of that, but by and large, the technicals of what Google announced are important. And we'll talk about some of it, but it's not the most important thing because of the nature of what Google announced. Scaling is a very real and advantageous thing for them. And so the numbers that we're talking about now could be made moot in, could be made moot tomorrow. They could be made completely meaningless, but regardless, we want to break into this. And this is going to be another episode of Game Talk. No game review this month. We are, we're going to be talking about GDC and what that means for gaming in general, because it's bringing to four and to reality what we have talked about many times um, in the past on Game Talk, as well as on uh, various Zomi One Underground content, uh, live Q&As and things like that, where this has come up, uh, which is really the split in the gaming community. Okay. Uh, and that's why this is also really important to talk about because let's be clear here. Gaming is the number one, especially video gaming particularly, is the number one entertainment medium in the world. It's bigger than movies. It's bigger than TV shows. It just is. You can say it's not, but ever since, you know, smartphones became a thing, uh, it, it absolutely is the number one entertainment medium, like the most popular entertainment medium, most used, most, uh, you know, engaged with uh, out there in some form or fashion. It really is. I mean, is everybody playing Battlefield, whatever the fuck? No. Okay. But um, everybody is playing or just about everybody seems like they are playing just some kind of game, whether it's, I don't know, Fruit Ninja or some kind of bullshit, you know, that's still gaming. I mean, it's not like the gaming that I'm used to, but I get it that that's, that's still gaming. So we are talking about, you know, when people want to say that, well, you know, oh, come on, video games. Why, what does that matter to me? Uh, like, you know, game talk used to originally be a part of sovereign tech, right? And I had a lot of people who'd say, well, I don't care about gaming or anything like that, but no, you don't understand. I guarantee you everybody, just about everybody that said that games in some form or fashion, like they do something as far as gaming. I don't know what exactly what mobile title they might be playing, but they probably are. They just, they think because it's not sitting in front of a TV, uh, or holding a Nintendo switch in their hand or, you know, and you know, or pulling up something from steam or something like that, that it's not gaming. Well, no, it, it, it's still gaming. 
And Google has really blurred the lines here with their announcement of Stadia. That's what it's called. S-T-A-D-I-A. Stadia is... And again, you know, I mean, this might be, honestly, this might be the most important episode of Game Talk done. I mean, not that we've done that many, but this might be the most important talk about games uh, that that I've ever engaged in. uh, Because this is a pun intended. This is an absolute game changer, what what Google announced with Stadia. Is it a new idea? Not really. But for the first time, a company with real money is backing uh, this this project. And also a lot of technologies and infrastructure now exist to where this is more possible. So Stadia is a cloud gaming service. Okay. Again, not a new idea. What is it on live? There's been a bunch of different ones, you know, over the years, really over the past decade where there have been companies that have tried to, you know, they'll get some AAA titles and they've tried to engage in where, you know, you could like install the, uh, install the app, you know, the piece of software, and then you could stream whatever tr- rare, you know, whatever few AAA games maybe that the service had and you pay a, you know, a monthly fee of some kind uh, to play those games. So a lot of people have tried this, but there's always been issues. There's been lagging issues, which we're going to talk about because Google has done something, well, you know, pretty ingenious, I guess, to, to, to resolve lagging. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot here that they have fixed in comparison to that. I mean, one thing is, is that internet speeds have, or at least the availability of internet speeds, uh, has increased significantly. There, there are challenges that come with that, but we'll, we'll talk about that. But basically this is something that is, I feel like, and not that I like it, I'm, I'm, this is not, I am not like into the whole concept, the entire abstract concept of cloud gaming. Uh, I am not on board with. Okay. And I will explain why, even though it won't surprise a lot of people, but, I, but I think really that Google can pull this off. I don't think there's anything to stop them as to where in the past I would insult where a company is not going to be able to pull it off. I think Google is a company that can pull it off. And I, and again, I will explain why, um, that is. So Google Stadia is, Again, you're going to have gaming and and apparently they're already making deals with various partners. They're creating their own game studio to, you know, make their own, uh, you know, homebrew or not homebrew, but their own, uh, you know, in-house games, which I think that that's if you want a console to take off and granted, this is cloud gaming. So there's not exactly a console, but there is. We'll explain it. If you want your platform, shall we say, if we want your if you want your gaming platform to take off, you have to have some kind of franchise lock-in for something. You know, if it's Steam with Dota 2 or Counter-Strike or whatever, well, that that would end up getting ported elsewhere. But, you know, what whatever it is, or if it's Halo on, you know, on Xbox at the time, if it's Mario on the, you know, on a Nintendo console, uh, if it was, which it was for a long time, if it's, you know, uh, Final Fantasy on, on Sony, you know, on the PlayStation brand, or, you know, also what would be a big deal would be Uncharted or God of War, right, on, um, you know, on PlayStation, whatever it is. If you want to succeed, you've got to have something where people can, they have to go to your platform, all right, to, to play some kind of game that is just this like epic fucking experience. Now, the other thing as well is that Google needs its own gaming, uh, you know, gaming dev house, okay, to really, I think, take advantage of what exactly Stadia can do. And I think that's where a lot of people are thinking about this. And even I can recognize the the interesting aspects and the positives and the advantages of what something like Stadia can bring. So basically, Stadia is is an app. It really is just an app that can be installed on just about fucking anything. On a smartphone, it can be installed on a Chromecast it can be installed on, you know, what, what, just about any box that you can imagine. Okay. That can install apps. You can put, um, Stadia on. And that's what, that's part of what makes it so interesting is that Google has made, you know, apps like available on just about every platform. I mean, even you think of Roku, like Roku even has the YouTube app, uh, among other things. All right. So this can play on basically any box, any device that you throw it at that can handle an app. And it doesn't have to have much in the way of processing power whatsoever because all the processing power is being done on Google servers, right? And that's another point where this gets interesting because, because all this is being done on servers, you don't have to actually have like a really powerful, however many gigaflops, you know, a a box console in front of you, like, like a PlayStation four or, or an Xbox one. You don't need that. You know, all of that, all of that gaming power, all of that processing power is being done far away. 
instantaneously, yes, people are going to bring up, well, what the fuck, you know, I don't have gigabit internet. How the hell is that going to end up working for me? Well, some of the claims that were made at GDC by Google was that, well, we figured out, you know, we have various codecs and everything that we figured out how to, uh, you know, you don't need uh, even for what did they say? I think it was like even for 4K content, you barely even need 30 megabits per second. I mean, which is that's fairly commonplace. It'll be interesting to see if that becomes a reality. But regardless, something I think a lot of people don't realize is that there are people who like who say they they claim they give a shit about 4K or they claim that they give a shit about uh, pixel density and all of this other stuff, and like, and they really care about all oh, the graphics are amazing on the Xbox One compared to the PlayStation or something like that. You know, there's people who claim, but but they really don't care, right? I mean, like, let's let's just be honest, they don't they don't care. And in fact, some of the more popular games out there right now, which look, Google has to go for as many people as possible. And if you are intrigued at all by Stadia, if you are like, wow, I want to try out Stadia, you're going to want as many people playing this, not because it needs to beat out Sony or Xbox, you know, or, or, you know, Microsoft or anything like that. But because, and this might be, you know, one of the most damning things about, or for Stadia in general, is that if Google doesn't like dominate a market, they cancel their products. And for me, this is, I mean, I want to get more into, this is tough to like kind of put it all together because I have so many fucking thoughts about this. Okay. Um, there are advantages. There's interesting things that are going to happen with this, but like you can instantly just start thinking of the disadvantages and how this is not going to, this, there's a very real chance that this is not going to take off at all. Okay. Uh, but like one of the problems is, is that we know, I mean, you can look at the fiber, you know, release that ended up getting canceled after however, I mean, hell it might've even been billions of dollars that got laid out to, you know, get the laws passed and everything to be in, in Louisville, Kentucky, right. That got canceled recently. I mean, that's only been going on for a couple of years. Google plus just got shut down. Google Allo just got shut down. I mean, we've been talking about the graveyard of Google services and products and projects on sovereign tech for the entire seven years. The shows existed and stadia. If it doesn't dominate the market, Google will probably cancel it because I mean, this is an expensive proposition. I mean, as advantageous as it is to have all the processing power not being done locally and have it being done on Google's, you know, massive server farms, wherever they happen to to do it for stadia, or if they take advantage of all of it and the scalability of that, right? Because all they have to do is just add more processing power to it. And it's not like they have to sell you a new device, right? Google can just add processing power at, you know, in-house, And then everybody gets to take advantage of that. Okay. You know, I mean, regardless of all that, that's still going to be an expensive thing to do. Uh, You you know, I mean, great that they can, they can make that happen. But I mean, even to run all of that, and especially if you're going to keep Stadia at a, you know, as far as a price point, if you're going to keep it at a low enough fee to where it's like, and this is another way for it to get to that, like where everybody fucking has it, you're going to have to put it at a price point that you know, anybody can buy into, like, I think it's going to have to be cheaper than Netflix. I think you're going to have to do less than $10 uh, a month. You probably need to beat out what switch is offering, even though they don't have like the greatest gaming offering. And it's a very different type of gaming offering, but like, you know, what is it? Nintendo switch online or whatever the hell What is that? 40 bucks a year. You're going to have to do something like that. I mean, you've got to keep that down, but then to justify the cost of running all of the processing power, you know, all the servers and everything required to make a game, an online, a cloud gaming service work, uh, you got to have quite a few million, if not billion people on your fucking platform right now. I mean, it's inexpensive for them in that game, game developers can just pour it over their games to this and just, you know, play it off the servers and and away they go. There's no real hardware to sell. There is one piece of hardware, the gaming controller, which we're going to talk about that. That's where things get very interesting. Okay. But basically everybody already has either through a Chromecast, their smartphone, the PC, whatever the, or just a TV with the smart TV or something, whatever the fuck it is, everybody already has the infrastructure. Everybody already has uh, a screen to play it on. And that's really the, you know, that's, that's the point of entry. Okay. For these games. Now there is a game controller that they announced as well, which the game controller looks fine. I mean, it looks like your average, you know, game controller, something uh, akin to that doesn't break patent on the PlayStation controller, more or less, which is what everything is really based off of. Um, unless you're Nintendo who still tries to come up with original controllers, which kudos to them, but regardless, so that game controller, yeah, you can buy that, but you don't actually even need that. Right. Like, cause a lot of it can be done. If you have a touchscreen, it can just be done on the touchscreen or you could plug in any controller you want to say, if you're doing it via PC, uh, hell, then you could use a PlayStation controller if you wanted, I suppose. Um, so 
you know, I mean, like there's there's really no barrier to entry here other than the price. Everybody already has the infrastructure. So because of that, it's inexpensive for Google to say, roll this out. So but they still need to make a ton of money. And again, if you are excited about this, you want them to make a ton of money. And this this does get into I want to talk about the, the problems more later. OK, uh, because otherwise, like I said, though, you are going to run into where they'll cancel this shit and they'll do it with, you know, with impunity. They don't, they don't care. They, they don't care if you've, I mean, and, and if you were excited about it and you spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on games on this platform, whatever, um, Google doesn't give a shit, obviously, you know, <laughs> I mean, again, they, they'll, they'll cancel. I mean, Google plus remember that that was the fucking back end for all of their product, uh, projects and products for the, and their services for the long, for a long time. And that's done. It's over Orchid. I mean, you go down the fucking list of Google services that have come and gone, um, I'll tell you straight up before we, you know, I mean, we'll talk more about that later, but I'll tell you straight up, I am not going to get Stadia or I'm not going to get invested in Stadia anyway. Um, I might try it out a little bit, but I, you know, just to talk about it as a tech journalist, but I'm not going to get invested in it for that very reason, because I don't count on any Google product. I don't even count on Gmail. You know, I, I use Fastmail for fuck's sake. I, I am not, I don't think anything's safe in Google's hands. I mean, your data sure as hell isn't, but I also don't think any of their services are, are safe. They'll, they'll, they'll cut those out at, at any given moment. Um, but regardless of that, let's talk about the game controller. So, okay, so what does this require? It just requires some kind of screen that, that has apps attached to it. That's all you need to play Stadia. Um, all the Everything else is handled by your internet connection, which might not be that good. There's a problem there. Yep, okay, but you know that that's something that can get licked and solved. Uh, and our, people are already talking about how 5G would solve that. Well, if you want to listen to Sovereign Tech, there's an episode. It's right in the title that talks about 5G. It's a Skynet now with 5G. That's the name of the episode. You can listen to the problems with 5G uh, if you have concerns with that. But regardless... Um, the, anyway, the, those, those issues are, are things, but that's all you need is a screen and you need an internet connection. Okay. Now they do offer a game controller. What is the, what is the deal with this game controller? Uh, this game controller, it would have been intriguing if they put, and maybe they'll do this at some point. If maybe somehow there was a way to like, maybe if they did Nvidia shield where there was a version of the game controller with a screen on it. But again, I guess you don't really need to do that because everybody already has a screen. So what the game controller does that's very interesting is that it allows for the game controller itself for Stadia actually connects to the internet itself. It doesn't connect to your screen. It doesn't connect to your Chromecast. It doesn't connect to anything locally other than your router. It connects, it has its own Wi-Fi connection. It's not Bluetooth or anything like that. That own Wi-Fi connection is how they're solving probably one of the first critiques that anybody comes up with on any, uh, you know, cloud uh, gaming platform is, well, what are you going to do about latency? You know, like, sure. Okay. The, the server's feeding me this, but I put in my controls and it takes however long for the Wi-Fi to register that I hit X or A or whatever. And, you know, in a game like Street Fighter, I'm fucked if there's any latency whatsoever. Latency is still very much a concern with Stadia. Okay. But at the same time, the idea of having the controller, uh, have its own, like have that be, have its own like real processor and, you know, Wi-Fi and everything and having it connecting, uh, and handling the duties on its own as a standalone device is a pretty, I got to admit, I wouldn't have thought of that. That's a, that's a brilliant way to handle the concerns around lag because what the controller is doing is it's connecting directly with its own Wi-Fi connection. It's connecting directly to the servers. Okay. So Whatever, you know, the, the speed at which the servers at Google are feeding you a, a game on Stadia, the controller is connecting directly to that instead of to something locally where, you know, latency would, would become more of a concern. That doesn't mean they've completely solved latency yet, but this is a pretty ingenious idea of how to make that happen or, you know, of how to try and mitigate that and, and make that work. All right. So the, the game controller is a very interesting thing. Um, now, as far as other advantages that come along with this, here's the thing. This is something where, because it can work on any screen, and this is the first thought that I had, is that, okay, this works on any screen whatsoever. Well, most people have, don't just have one screen, okay? Like, they have multiple screens that they get to take advantage of. You know, they have a TV, they have a smartphone, they have a laptop in front of them. And in fact, I've been to plenty of places where people have all four or five, six, seven devices all in their, you know, bunch of them in their lap and the other one in front of their face. And they're, you know, they're already rocking it. Imagine a game that took advantage of all of those screens in front of you that you owned. 
um, what I can't, I think it's Artemis is the name. It's, it's a, like a, it's not a Star Trek game, but it feels like a Star Trek game where it's a Star Trek simulator and where you can play it with a bunch of people and just everybody kind of comes, hangs out, you know, it's almost like LARPing or something. They all hang out in a room. Everybody gets their own little chair, desk, whatever. And you all have your own screen and you all connect to the same Artemis, uh, server. And then each one of you plays a different position on the bridge of a starship in this game with your own screen, with your own computer and, and all of that. That kind of thing could become very popular with Google Stadia. And I expect a game like that or where you yourself can have multiple screens that can take advantage of everything, including like, okay, is one of these things a touch screen? Like you have a tablet um, and you can just like press on that. And that allows for you to, I mean, you could have an entire cockpit in front of you just with devices that you use to go through your day on, a, on any given day. And when games start taking advantage of that, this is more of where, like I said, with Google having its own game dev house now, this very, you know, and making games in house, this is, they're the ones that know they're the ones that have been thinking about this because they've known about stadia for a while. So they've been thinking about this for a while and they can already be developing if they're not already, they might even have something 90% done, um, that could take advantage of these multiple screens that everybody has. Right. Um, the other thing that this takes advantage of, I mean, or another, there's a couple other advantageous areas, but like the idea of something that takes advantage of multiple screens like that and the fact that those screens don't all have to have consoles connected to them or anything like that. I mean, that, that gets very interesting. And there's, I'm sure there's like myriad things that I'm not even thinking of that cloud gaming would affect, you know, would, would bring up like new ideas, new innovative ways to play various games. So I expect those to come out and those are going to be very interesting. And those are going to be very attractive to people. No doubt about that. I've played Artemis and it was, I mean, that was so much fun to do that. Like, I, I mean, tons and tons of fun. You can still play Artemis. Uh, and I, and I recommend that you do because like, you'll realize where, oh shit, if we could only all play games like this, it would be so cool. And of course, VR is kind of like lending in that direction as well. And there's a conversation to have around how this relates to VR as well, but we'll save that for now. Now, the other place where Stadia could really take off and maybe again, with the issue that you're going to need like a billion people, at least playing on this, where it does also get very interesting is that, but there, there's, there's a catch here, but this can be played on Chromebooks by design. It's meant to work with Chromebooks and thus every Chromebook, even though they're incredibly inexpensive computers by comparison, um, and just inexpensive. Yeah. I mean, inexpensive computers overall, they're cheaper than smartphones. Uh, a lot of them and, and all this, you know, for them to be able to play. And yes, all of this is a SQL project stream. We knew that Chromebooks could do gaming in this sense for over a year now. Anyway, when Google announced project stream last year and you know, now they've brought what is its full implementation, that being Stadia, uh, a lot of people have Chromebooks. A lot of kids have Chromebooks. You know, a lot of government, a lot of, a lot of education, you know, I mean, Chromebooks have invaded, uh, those two particular markets, uh, those two particular areas, I should say, they're not, not really a market, <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, they're markets in one sense of the, of the term, but anyway, those two particular, uh, uh, you know, areas, I mean, Chromebooks are everywhere. And because of that, you know, suddenly like a lot of people have a real, have a triple a gaming console in front of them and they didn't even realize it. Right. So that's going to be, you know, that, that, that makes things very interesting where the barrier to entry also disappears. Uh, because again, a lot of schools and, you know, give out, uh, uh, Chromebooks to kids, right. One laptop per child, all that stuff, you know, Chromebooks have really run with that as well, but again, because they are so inexpensive, but they're going to be able to really take advantage, uh, you know, of this game of this cloud gaming platform. So that's one thing is that you're going to have a lot of players kind of out of the gate with that. The other thing is that there are a lot of say more developing countries where Google has been working its ass off to make sure that there's internet access there, right? You think like project loon, right? That's supposed to bring three G speeds and other things. Um, if people have devices designed to connect to project loon or they have, uh, you know, whatever that looks like, or if they have smartphones, of course, you know, you have the, whatever it's not Android one that that's a completely different thing. What was it, like Android silver or whatever the fuck that the, the project was where, where Google was making lower end, Android uh, devices to go out to, shall we say, developing markets, developing countries, and so on. All of those become, honestly, they, they, they become uh, gaming consoles. And now suddenly the rest of the, you know, what, what sometimes gets called the other 6 billion people on the planet, uh, they all get to be gamers now. 
you know, and and maybe they have to buy, I don't know, the $30 controller or whatever that Google's going to offer them, but that can connect to whatever's going on and uh, they get to go to town on it, you know, or they play some lower end games. I mean, you know, this is something else to consider, too, is that, you know, graphics today and this is I think this is a fine and dandy thing. Today, graphics really don't matter because now, you know, there's plenty of games that are just cutesy. You know, they have 8-bit graphics or whatever. They're very cute. And people just love these games and they go nuts about it. And and I've made the same argument for virtual reality, for VR headsets and everything, is that processing power doesn't exactly matter. You know, it's more about the availability that, you know, having like the best graphics in the world, making it look like Call of Duty, whatever fucking version, you know, uh, is not for a lot of gamers, that just doesn't mean shit. You know, what, what they really care about is, is the game fun, you know, and is there like some kind of fidelity and ability to, uh, you know, really play it. And so a lot of games that, that don't require a ton of horsepower or are not graphically intensive whatsoever by design, uh, those are often some of the most popular games that get released in the world to this day, even though they look like something from the, from the NES era, you know, from the NES days. So, yeah, like, I mean, I don't, if, if you're wondering, well, but how are they going to play, you know, Battlefield over in Afghanistan or something like that? Well, they don't, you know, they don't need to. But then also, I mean, like the, the internet speeds, that that's still a concern. But I think, again, like a lot of games, what they could do is, is that if it's in an area, say, you know, India is one of these places where they, tr- you know, they're trying to, uh, uh, you know, break into emerging markets and, and some other countries. All you do is you make a tailored version of Stadia that has the lower end games that don't require the 4K resolutions or, you know, any any real processing power. Um, Because, I mean, you still need some processing power on the side of, uh, you know, on the client side. Right. Whether it's on a TV and that's that's, you know, that that's something else, too. In fact, John Carmack was talking about this on Twitter. He was saying, like, look, you know, most TVs can't really process the game, the signals from gaming devices in general uh, that get to them. And people just don't notice or don't care. You know, as long as the game is playable, you know, as long as the lag isn't too much, they'll just rock it. They, They don't give a shit. And I think, you know, we're talking about some parts of the world here where maybe they've never even really gotten into gaming. And they're going to be happy to just play a video game. They're going to be like, holy shit, you know, I'm, I'm king of the world here. I'm playing a video game. I'm not insulting them by that. Not at all. I'm just saying that that's a reality. Okay. Like, you know, that they're going to be very excited that, and I'm excited for them in, in a way, you know, because like, I love video games. I love gaming. I'm a gamer. I'm a gamer first. And I, you know, I really like, I'm glad when more people get to get to play games and get to feel the joy that I've felt, you know, my entire life playing video games. All right. So I'm not knocking it. But that's really where, so, I mean, these are the advantages is that there's a lot of markets that this could enter into very quickly. There's no need to spend, you know, $600 on the next PlayStation or whatever. This is something where just about everybody already, even in emerging markets, everybody already has the device that can get the job done. And, you know, I wonder, I mean, I I tried to look into some of the pricing structure. There hasn't been a whole ton of announcement. This is supposed to be out within 2019. That's going to be very interesting. Maybe this will be like a holiday thing and that the Stadia controller could be the hottest ticket at Christmas this year, frankly. I, I really wouldn't be surprised. And also uh, a feature that I didn't talk about is there is a way to where you could be watching YouTube Okay, on whatever device you happen to have. And who doesn't watch YouTube on whatever device they happen to have? I mean, come on. Like, even I watch some YouTube. And you could be watching, which, you know, the number one content uh, or the top content, the most content on YouTube is somehow based around video games. Is based around gaming, be it watching a guy game or play or whatever. Hell, yeah, I mean, you know, Twitch made an entire industry out of that. <laughs> but, I mean, YouTube itself isn't doing too shabby on there either. Again, it is the number one type of content on YouTube. Um, they, Google has brilliantly made it so that if you are watching somebody playing a game, you could actually like basically click a button. We'll just put it that way. Whatever that takes shape as you could click a button and boom, you enter, you can start playing that game yourself at least for a few minutes. And then maybe it asks you to buy it or however the pricing structure ends up working really on Stadia. It's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be some changes in that regardless of what they announced early on. Um, there's going to be some changes in how that all works, but you could end up and you could start rocking a game and playing it. I mean, that, that's, that's going to be a thing. Um, I mean, I think a brilliant move actually on Google's part would be to not charge a damn, not charge a dime. Like I would, I would do the per game cost, and, you know, don't charge anything for the streaming service and, and have like free titles on there for people to get started. I mean, they already do this with their Google Play Games app 
which will probably morph into Stadia, just a guess on the Stallion's part, on the Man of Tomorrow's part here. But uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, like, I think that that's, that's a no-brainer way to get people on board with it, is already have some free games and make them fucking great free games at that. Not just like on Google Play games where it's like Snake or Checkers or something like that. Like, make it something really big that just logging onto you get to rock and roll. Uh, you know, like Nintendo has done the same thing. Granted that they, for their online service, they do still charge that uh, that 40 a year. But there are amazing, quote-unquote, free games on there, right? So I think that would be a smart move on, on Google's part, but I mean, we don't know a whole ton about pricing right now as far as how that's going to go. Either way, it's going to be accessible, and they straight up said on stage, you know, that they are dead serious about making this game, you know, making gaming accessible to everybody with this. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think they've got the right moves, you know, to make that a thing. Um, at GDC, I want to talk about the problems around this, but I do want to also just make a kind of an honorable mention that at GDC, Microsoft came out basically with the same concept, uh, but they're calling it xCloud, like Xbox, but xCloud, but it's their cloud gaming service. And they are looking hardcore at... Uh, it being done on Android and Android specifically. So it's not as available everywhere like Stadia is, but then I think they are looking for maybe working with a harder core uh, audience. I mean, I, I don't know. We, you know we'll, we'll see how this ends up shaking up. The, really the gaming industry, how much it's going to shake that up, but you know, and how this is all actually going to shake out as well. Uh, I mean, this, this, is, this is the split. I want to talk about the problems, but this is the split that I've talked about uh, for over, almost over a year now, really ever since the retro consoles came out, because those were wildly popular with a segment of the population. That's why they sold out. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, Nintendo, you know, artificial scarcity, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I know. Okay. But those things sold out and people were really excited about that. You look at retro games limited, right? Who came out with the C64 mini, the Commodore 64 mini. Um, they're coming out with the full size one this year. Uh, they are able to do that because there was so much excitement around the C64 Mini. Granted, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about a Commodore 64 that go beyond just gaming. But regardless of that, the gaming world has not just separated into, oh, what's your favorite type of game? Do you like, uh, you know, like first-person shooters? Do you like RTSs? Do you like RPGs? Do you like, uh, you know, JRPGs better? What, you know, what's your genre or something? It's not even genre. Now it's more about even like a culture of gaming. And this is where the split was. I mean, I said, I said, eventually all of these companies, because Sony's already doing kind of what Stadia is doing, but they haven't come up with such clever solutions, I think. And also they're not offering, I don't know if they can get everybody on board with them the way that Google will probably be able to get everybody on board with them, regardless, you know, as far as developers and other, other, you know, game companies and game houses and, and all of this, regardless of that, um, I mean, Microsoft's doing it. Sony's already, you know, with xCloud, Sony's already doing it. Now, you know, Google is entering in in many ways as like the, you know, this, they are the modern day Xbox moment, right? With Bill Gates and The Rock on stage. This, this was them doing that. That's why I say this is the biggest moment since then, because here's the company that actually really has the, the quote unquote balls, not only balls as in raw power, balls as in the guts, you know, balls as in the, the temerity, okay, to try and pull this off. Here's the company that can really make cloud gaming a thing. I mean, Microsoft could do it too. And I really do think that they could pull it off. But Google's a company that where they have, I mean, they are so knee deep in so many different demographics, markets, and industries that this could, you know, this can just go anywhere. I mean, anytime Google releases anything, everybody could jump on it. You know, the problem, but again, this, this leads to the very real concern that if the people don't though, then Google fucking drops everything. And, but the reason that they know, I mean, and I'm not necessarily knocking Google. I mean, I am knocking them for, for canceling services. And there's a much larger conversation to have around that, um, where, you know, you don't really seem to own anything. I mean, and this is clearly, this is definitely a case where, I mean, and this is a real concern where if this shuts down and you put hundreds of thousands of dollars onto it, all of that is gone. There is no preserving these games that you're going to play on Stadia. There's no preserving. It's not going to happen, you know, and, and there's, there's a conversation to have around emulators and gaming as art and that it should be preserved for posterity and all this. I mean, my number one problem personally, uh, with, well, two things. I mean, I have two major problems with cloud gaming in general. Okay. One is, is that you don't actually get to play the game forever. You know, I mean, there's people still playing Atari games off of a fucking Atari cartridge. And I know those don't last forever either, but you get my point. 
Um, that that's that's phenomenal. And I think when you put down like hard earned money and a lot of it, you know, fifty bucks, whatever. Hell, if you put down fifteen bucks, you should be able to play that game, you know, in, in per- perpetuity. Okay, that's one of my biggest problems with with the idea of cloud gaming. I mean, then this isn't just cloud gaming. This also has to do with digital platforms in general. I mean, like that that's a very real problem overall with Steam, with, you know, you name it. I mean, that's why a lot of people like to buy games off of GOG.com, right? Because when they buy the game, they know even if GOG tanks, 99% of what you buy on GOG, you're going to be able to, you could download the files and you can hold on to those files and you can install it and you can play it as long as the operating system is compatible with it. And again, that, that gets into an even bigger conversation, right? Because again, you are paying for access to these, be it Microsoft's X cloud, be it, uh, you know, Nintendo switch online, be it PlayStation's offering, be it, you know, Google stadia, you're paying for access. You're not actually paying for, you know, you're not actually getting the game itself, but this is not new to the software world and games are software. Um, this is not new, you know, video games are anyway, this is not new, right? Because, well, unless it's, unless the video game is like something that played in a VCR, right? <laughs> but, but this is not new. Windows has always been, you, you've always just been paying for access. You never technically, quote unquote, legally, fuck legality, but you get it, quote unquote, legally, you never own your copy of Windows. You never have. It's always been, admittedly, a license. You pay for access to Windows 10 or uh, Windows 7 or whatever version of Windows going back, you know, into, into time. And that's what's going on here. But most people don't realize that that's how that works. You know, that that's basically what they're doing and they don't really own it, or at least a lot of people don't realize it. And so there's a big conversation to be had around that and the importance of open source software, the importance of Linux, the importance of how do you end of life uh, certain services. And Google in general does a terrible job of ending uh, of end of lifing uh, apps products and services, uh, which, you know, should terrify you. That's the biggest, I mean, that, that's the easiest thing to, to the easiest, you know, uh, arrow of fire to lob at, at Google stadia is that, well, how long is this going to last? You know, because as soon as Google doesn't make money off of it, they're going to can it. And the point I was going to make with that is that because Google has analytics on, you know, be it just from, whatever service or app of theirs you happen to install, even if it's just Google maps or something, they know that, you know, because of the infrastructure that exists out there with smartphones and every other connected device and particularly connect. And it's really only a matter of connected devices, uh, internet connected devices. They know exactly how many people are playing, what they're playing, how long they're playing and all this. And if it is not, if they look and they forecast and they say, this is going to cost us 5 billion to run for the next five years. Um, but we're only, you know, statistically we're only generating $1.5 billion dollars. Okay. Uh, you know, off of, off of how people are historically playing off of this because they collect all that data, they're going to cancel it. Now, is it right of them to cancel it? If they're going to, you know, lose out on $3.5 billion? Uh, sure. Like, like who, who is forced really, who is forced to stay in business, you know, to, to, to support something. I mean, like if somebody told me, well, you know, like say, Sovereign Tech wasn't profitable anymore or something. Okay, well, I'm going to stop doing Sovereign Tech. And then people are like, well, no, you have to keep doing Sovereign Tech because blah, 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 blah. Wait, what? No, that's my call, you know, to make. So, so in that sense, like, I get it. Google has the right to shut down a service. All right. And my annoyance often comes with as far as how they shut down services is that they are telling fucking everybody, get on board with this. We're here for you. This is the greatest thing since, uh, uh, I, I don't know. This is the greatest thing since I don't want to say sliced bread. Cause I'm not going to say it's a great thing, but this is the greatest thing since anything, you know, this is the greatest thing since the universe and you need to be using this and you need to be on that. And you know, the, the way that they just, they, they hit so hard and they f- kind of force you through their other services to force you to use a certain product or to get on board with a certain product. That's where I get, that's where I get, you know, really, really pissed off, frankly, at what Google does and at their business models and so on. And because they don't end of life things, and I get why they don't end of life thing, everything, and just like open source and let it out there, kind of like they did with um, uh, Google SkyMap, right? Where they did that right. They just open sourced the whole damn thing and they gave it away, you know, and, and somebody picked up the developing of it and they ran with it. That's the way to do it. Now, I understand that they have certain patented technologies that they can't end of life every little service that they've created, because then if they end of life it by open sourcing it so that other people can jump on it, you know, and run with it, um, they released a lot of trade secrets. I'm not saying I agree that they have trade secrets or that I agree with them for having them, but I am saying that I get it. I do understand the thought process that's going on there and why they do these sorts of things. But that, again, that's a much larger conversation to be had around that and that most people just don't think about. Um, 
I'm from a gaming generation, admittedly, that is very used to the idea that when I buy a console, when I buy a game, I'm going to have it forever. You know, if I take care of it, I will have it for as long as it, you know, as long as it keeps mechanically functioning, I will have it. And even when it stops mechanically functioning, um, you know, I can repair it, right? Things like this. I understand that is not the world that we live in anymore. That is not how things work. And in fact, you know, if anybody out there, I'll, I'll say this, if anybody out there is thinking to themselves, well, whew, I'm glad I have my Xbox One S or I'm glad I have my PlayStation 4 and I buy, you know, I buy physical discs and all that. What's the first thing that happens when you pop that physical disc into your Xbox One or into your PS4? It downloads like a four gig fucking file so that you can play the game before you can even play the game. You're is it the the Xbox One, the PlayStation 4, whatever. They're as internet connected as any cloud gaming service. So it doesn't, you know, to argue that somehow the Xbox One or the PS4 is somehow superior to Stadia because of that is horseshit. That is a horseshit argument. There are genuine problems with Stadia and we've, we've laid some of them out. I mean, there's, there's more abstract ones too. What about the modding community? If you don't have access to the actual code of the game, you don't get to make mods of games and people don't realize, you know, modding games, that's how you have your Dota 2s. That's how you have your Counter-Strikes, right? Because Dota 2 was originally Warcraft 3. Counter-Strike, one of the most, the game that launched esports, the multi-billion dollar business that is esports, okay? That got launched because of a mod of Half-Life, right? Counter-Strike. That, that is literally what made esports finally, you know, hit the mainstream and make money all of these beautiful things that come out of the modding community, you're not going to get any more with this, you know? And I don't know if that's going to appeal to the modern gamer or not, because maybe a lot of them just don't even fucking know that the game that, that Dota two is actually Warcraft three or that, you know, counter-strike is actually half-life or whatever. Maybe they have no concept of that. I don't know because I don't talk to those kinds of people because I don't really play online games so much. I mean, I've had my day with it, you know, where I, I mean, I used to play in mortal Kombat tournaments, you know, like more MKX and so on. Uh, modern, you know, ones, but yeah, I, I'm really not sure. Like I'm not on the pulse of that because I'm a different type of gamer. I'm the gamer that I'm not solitary, but if I want to play multiplayer, I want the person next to me in the room. Right. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm not that way. So, and that's okay. That, that other, I'm, I'm just saying, understand that there's going to be this split. And honestly, I don't know. I mean, I can complain about the about the issues that are going to happen, especially if Google does become as big as it needs to be to be a success. You have to understand they have the absolute incentive to completely take over gaming because that's the only way that this becomes profitable for them in comparison to how they run their previous services. They run nothing as a loss leader. They just don't. They don't run Google Plus as a loss leader. If something is not taking off, they say fuck it and they cancel it no matter how many people are using it. And most people that will use even a failed Google product, the average Silicon Valley startup would I mean, they, they probably engage in genocide to have those kind of, uh, you know, that, that kind of user base that a failed Google project has. So if they don't get, I mean, that, that, that's another concern too, is that look, Google's like going to have to own this shit. Otherwise it's going to end up getting canned. But that's the thing is that if they try to own gaming and, to, and take it over entirely, then that subculture or these subcultures, there's not going to be any, you know, it's going to affect certain subcultures of it because the retro gamers like myself, you know, we're going to, I mean, there's always, you know, it's hopeful because there's always going to be people making like classic games. The fact that today you still have people making Atari 2600 games. You still have people making C64 games. You still have people making super Nintendo games. You still have people making Genesis games. And yes, you do not just on Kickstarter, people doing it for, you know, out of their own, you know, bank account or however the hell they're funding it, whatever they're doing, or just their own spare time. People are still making those games. People are still making classic games for PC and so on. Um, there, that subculture will always be able to exist, but like you're, we're not going to, we, there's a very real problem that we might not end up with anything like really amazing or innovative. If that subculture of gaming isn't fostered in some way. And yeah, I'm, I'm concerned that, that Google Stadia might really push out some of the beautiful aspects of gaming in favor of the newer aspects that and again some of them are genuinely advantageous and, and innovative i'm not going to deny that but those newer aspects if they you know bring those in like like you could end up dominating and you know it's what happens when you get a monoculture right you never want a monoculture you you always want biodiversity you always want you know some kind of diversity because that's where real innovations can come up or innovations that can appeal to you know different individuals and different subcultures and all this 
yeah, I mean, I, I, I do. I, I kind of worry about that. And in fact, I could almost see where Stadia, honestly, if, I mean, because of just the, the ease of entry to this and not having to even spend $200 on a console, no matter how inexpensive Nintendo might make a console, I mean, Google could, could just take this whole thing over. You know, and and that's a shame because then you won't get like the great ideas like Nintendo Switch and so on that also have to have. I mean, gaming's not a zero sum, no pun intended, game. It's not a zero sum game. You don't have to play just one game. Right. But I think a lot of people, as they get more invested in certain platforms, um, it's why you have a lot of people that, you know, only buy iPhones or a lot of people that only buy Android, you know, and so on, because there is a platform lock in that kind of occurs. And that's a little more of what I'm worried about. So. This is going to be interesting. If anybody has a chance at making uh, cloud gaming a thing, it's going to be Google. If Google doesn't pull it off, I don't know if it's ever going to be a thing. You know, I, I, I really don't. The other thing that can happen, too, is that, I mean, you do have finite time. So while it's not a zero-sum game, you don't have to only play one game. You can kind of only play one game at a time. So, <laughs> you know, there is, there is the issue of time. Uh, VR could be very interesting in this space where VR becomes a very unique type of screen. Stadia could take advantage of that in the future, but Google Daydream is pretty much dead. You know, I mean, who, who, when's the last time you talked to somebody who's like, yeah, I was on Daydream, man, and oh, it's so fucking good. You know, that VR is awesome. I mean, if you've talked to people who, who, who talk that way, you let me know. It's where I think there are genuinely people who talk that way about Oculus or who were on Steam, you know, with their Vive or something like that. In fact, there's a new Oculus uh, announced that's pretty pointless because I think the Oculus Quest is really the ultimate direction that that company has always wanted to go and kind of needs to go. Um, but the the Oculus Quest, while that could still take advantage of a cloud gaming service, right, because then you don't have to install the apps on the headset itself, um, That that is where things can get particularly interesting and could kind of be a competitor is that if they if VR gaming becomes a much bigger deal and becomes the, you know, the screen du jour, VR becomes or the the experience du jour uh, within gaming that could possibly stop Stadia. But I think that's the, the Oculus Quest is pretty much the main competition for whoever is leading the way in the gaming industry and Stadia might end up leading the way. They might even, you know, I'm serious. I hate to say it. I don't like to think of Nintendo ever losing because I love that company. But uh, despite their IP bullshit, but I mean, they, they, they could push them right out. And, and that could be, and, and you got to understand, Nintendo to run and operate and make the AAA games that we know today, uh, they have to make a shit ton of money. You know, you know, like they, they, they can't become a cottage industry as to where retro games limited, you know, they can come out with a C64 mini and they can have a nice little cottage gaming community, which will always be there. And I'll gladly be a part of. Okay. Um, but for, for it to be viable for Nintendo, for these AAA games, they have to make billions and billions of dollars. Google's going to be in the same, you know, in the same bit of business. And, and I guess ultimately that gets to my biggest concern with all of this is that the need to make such ridiculous amounts of money on, you know, to, to make these platforms, whatever it is, you know, $600 Sony console, Google, you know, cloud gaming service, Microsoft cloud gaming service, you know, X cloud, whatever the fuck it is to make these platforms viable today. They have to make so much money. I am kind of terrified of the dirty tricks and the, you know, the behaviorist, you know, the behavioral tricks, like behavioral psychology tricks, much like gambling and so on, that, that like a lot of, you know, like, like, well, like, said, like gambling machines take advantage of to keep people playing and all that. I'm, I'm a li- I'll admit it. I'm a li- I mean, it's conspiratorial of me, I, I grant you, but I'm a little concerned at just how far these companies will be willing to go, uh, you know, to, to, to make these platforms viable. I mean, hopefully if it's not viable for Google, maybe hopefully they will just cancel it. Of course, granted, then, you know, you just lost out on whatever the fuck you put into Stadia and there's no saving it. There's no saving it. You understand? You don't have the game. The game is on their servers, not yours. It's not on, it's not client side. It's not, not on your machine. That's the problem, right? Or for me, that's a problem. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is, this is going to be amazing to see. This is the turning point. This is the, the, this is the breaking point. This is where, you know, the cultures of gaming really do split off. And I mean, I, I said that this was going to happen, you know, actually, actually Robin Freebeard and I, we were talking about it. We, we said, this is where it's going to split off. You're going to have two gaming communities. You're going to have like the retro gaming community that wants their shit local, whatever. And then you're going to have, you know, your streaming community. Um, and you already have this in the movie industry, right? Like, I mean, you have people who, oh no, Netflix is fine. And Netflix is certainly the far more is the dominant, right? Or the streaming or, you know, streaming services are fine. I'll deal with the streaming services, blah, blah, blah. 
But then you have, I guess, more of your purists or your cinephiles or whatever who are like, no, 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 give me the Blu-rays. I want the Blu-rays. Fortunately, Sony is not Google where they just dump things. Okay. And granted, Blu-rays are, I mean, Blu-ray is a medium, is a technological medium in and of itself that has a lot more versatile uses than just giving you movies or TV shows to watch in a Blu-ray player, right? You know, I mean, lots of people use it. Well, hell, it gets used for games. Um, but, you know, we've seen this in, in the, the, you know, in the video industry, right? Whatever that is, TV shows, reality TV, movies, whatever, is that you have people who streaming is fine. And then you have people where, no, I want it local. I want, I want the Blu-rays. I want, you know, I want to taste the brain matter. I want it so fucking high def that, uh, you know, like, it's like I'm there, right? (laughs) Or something like, you know, the argument I was quoting swordfish there. Um, that's happening in gaming right now. That same split where, you know, you're going to have the Netflixes of gaming and then you're going to have the people who want that, that really like that personal touch. And that comes with so much more at the end of the day. Um, and just has a very different feel to it, more, perhaps more of an authentic feel. And what I mean by that, like, well, like consider with Blu-rays where you get, um, you know, you end up getting commentaries, right? Director's commentaries, or you get like all these special features and all that stuff. You, generally nine times out of 10, you don't get that on Netflix or you don't get that on anything else. So there's, you know, there's, there'll be like this more niche aspect, this, this other subculture within gaming, within the gaming culture that will want this deeper experience with gaming and an experience that will last them their lives because they're not just going to play it once. They're going to play it over and over again, or they're going to want to make sure that they're able to play it over and over again, uh, you know, and, and, and so forth. So, or just like in books, right? Same thing where you have the split where you have ebook readers and you have people that, you know, no, I only want paper because paper is going to last me forever, whatever, whatever their arguments are. So that's happening in gaming right now. And this was, this was genuinely the moment that, that it occurred. So anyway, um, you know, I, I could have talked about, there's been a lot of, you know, there's a lot of talk about the discless, uh, Xbox one that's going to be coming out. Um, I think a lot of that is kind of pointless when you're doing X cloud and when you have stadia, that is where the bulk of the gaming world is going to be looking. Everything else is going to be like a, really a niche subculture. It's a sad time in a way, because I think that's going to hamper innovation in what gaming could have been overall. Uh, you know, if it's stuck with its more traditional roots, of being, you know, the, the localized console or the localized install on a PC, things like this. Um, but it's going to be interesting to watch and we'll be covering all of it. Well, I don't know how much I'm going to cover because again, I'm more of a retro gamer. Maybe I'll just be covering, maybe game talk will just cover the, the subculture. That's, you know, the retro gamers and so on, but we'll be keeping an eye on it anyway. And I will see all of you next time on game talk only on Zomia one. Woo! Game over. <laughs>